Love singing loud. And I feel like if all you left with was today was like the words of those worship songs, like sinking into your heart, it would be good. You are chosen, not forsaken. God has robbed the grave. But if you had heard me singing it through the mic, you know, the, everybody up here, our awesome worship team, they sound like, ah, but I sound a little bit more like, ah. a little shout out to all my frozen friends out there. So I am so glad uh, to be talking to you today. Um, I'm going to give you just some information about life groups to start. We're going to start on September 12th, so in about three weeks. So you'll have time to sign up. All the sign-ups will be on the Church Center app. If you don't have it, the app downloaded, somebody can help you download it so you can sign up for a Church uh, Center group. We got Mondays, uh, they're going to be a group at my house. And then on, also on Mondays, one of the groups I'm really excited about this year is going to be led by Andrew and Bethany Jones. Woo! And it is going to be a kind of a unique life group, going to be focusing on all the stuff that our church has been talking about really for off and on for 18 months and about how can we be uh, better at loving everybody in the body, um, being a bridge to those who have different skin color than your own. And it's called Be the Bridge. Uh, it's a really excellent resource and they're going to be leading that. So if God's calling on you to move in, ra- in racial reconciliation, you should think about joining that group on Monday. We're going to have groups on Tuesdays, Fridays. It's going to be awesome. Man, I am just, I really am genuinely excited about life groups. It's been a, a year and a half since we've been able to meet in people's homes. And so this, I think, is just going to be great. If you've never been a part of a life group, you might be like, what is it? Well, we're going to meet in people's homes. We're going to do all the kind of same stuff we do here at church, but just with a small enough group of people that they actually get to know you, which is a little scary, but also really good. We're going to celebrate what God's doing. We're going to press into his word and learn some of his truth. We're going to eat some stuff together. It's going to be really fun. But I also want to recognize... Am I that excited about life group? I mean, does anyone else feel like, yes, I wish I had another weekly commitment. Yes, that's what I really want. I just like, yes, you know what? I just, I could use some more. Like pile on my plate. Um, And uh, like if you've been to life groups before, maybe you've been doing it for a while. I've been doing it for like 10 years. And I tell you what, there's not a lot of life group nights that roll around as like, yes, everything is working out today perfectly for life group. That's what I want to do. The kids aren't sick. I'm not late from work. Uh, We have eaten dinner. Yes, those are things are true. Um, And so like, I just, man, like as I think about life group, as I think about, it can be a little daunting. It can be, I'd just be like, oh, man, I know it's good for me, but do I want to do it? I think about life group leaders, all the people I'm so thankful for that signed up to be life group leaders. And, man, sacrificing, you're not going to somebody else's house, you're opening up your home, you're doing whatever you want to do to get ready for that. Um, you, some people that are coming over, you've never met before. Some people are children. 
if you let your kids, my kids loose in your living room for like three minutes, just like be prepared. Like, especially if there's pillows and blankets. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, and so like, Ed, you're opening up your home for people to come over. And so I can see like, that even sounds a little bit less appealing. I mean, wouldn't it be easier to stay home? Just, you already have friends, you know. Uh, I remember just times going to life group uh, and being sitting out, you know, you pull up in the driveway and you sit up, sit out there and you're still kind of right in the middle of an unresolved fight with your spouse. And you're like, how long could we sit out here before it really becomes awkward. Maybe we should just text them and say we have COVID. And like, oh, sorry, we just found out. We, are, we can't see anybody for 10 days. And that covers this week and next week. So you're kind of good there. Um, so if some of those thoughts hit your head when you are thinking about life group, I think about doing one more thing. You're not alone. I've had those thoughts myself. I thought a lot over the summer as I'm preparing to lead this ministry, man, why? Why do we do life groups? Oh, why do we do life groups? <laughs> um, but I think it's more than just life groups. I think it's life. Why does life feel like such a challenge? Why does life sometimes feel like such a fight? And what I'd like you to take from this morning is that life is a fight. If you feel like you're in a fight, if you feel like you've recently been punched in the face, it's because you are in a fight and you did get punched in the face. What is this fight about though? What are we fighting for and what are we fighting against? You're not in a fight against another person. The Bible says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There are people that disagree with you. There are people that may be a part of the problems in your life, but you're not fighting against them, ultimately. What are we fighting for? We're going to look at two passages uh, today to talk about what are we fighting against, what are we fighting for, and why should you join a life group? God, I just ask that something from your word today would sink in our hearts. Something would stir in us to fight the fight that you're calling us to do today. Please, Jesus. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> the first story we're going to look at today is from Mark 4. It's kind of a long story. Some of you might be familiar with it. I'm going to read the whole thing, but we're going to zone in on one part at the end. But I want to give you all the whole context. Um, <clears throat> all right. I think it'll be falling behind us on the screen. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seeds fell on a footpath. Oh, this is Jesus talking. Um, and uh, he's telling... A bunch of people, his disciples, and like a huge crowd. And he's trying to explain something about the kingdom of God. So he tells them this story. <clears throat> a farmer scattered a seed across his field. Some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. 
The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. Since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. He then said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. All right, so Jesus knows that stories are more powerful to us than, uh, than just, you know, advice. And so he tells us this story. And he says everyone who has ears can understand, but the disciples, I, I don't know if they didn't have ears, but they didn't really understand very well. Jesus was saying later when the, he was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others were gathered around him, they asked, what does that parable mean? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so the scripture might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, when they, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they'll turn to me and be forgiven. Jesus knows that stories are more powerful. And also, how many of us have experienced hearing the truth, whatever kind of truth, one bajillion times in your life, but it just takes a work of the Holy Spirit to really understand it? I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. But in his mercy, he explained it further to his disciples. If Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. Uh, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as they had planted. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we needed that. I did. You know, a lot of people feel like, man, the Bible was written a long time ago. You know, like somewhere like 6,000 to 2,000 years ago, depending on which part you're looking at. It was written to a different culture, in a different part of the world. I mean, how different could it have been? Yet what's amazing about it is how those truths still speak to us. Does anyone here ever experience in their own life the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things? Doesn't that describe the fight you're fighting against every day? The cares of this world. Actually, the other story we're gonna talk about is really gonna capture that one. So I wanna, I'm gonna come back to that the deceitfulness of riches. I don't care how much money somebody makes. I think that everybody in their flesh feels like if I just made about 20% more, then I'd be okay. Has anyone ever thought that? 
It's never an actual number that is reachable. It just feels like if there was just a little bit more, I'd have a little more security, a little more comfort, a little more freedom, a little more of the things that I need. But you can't get there. Jesus calls it the deceitfulness of riches, the lure of riches, because you'll never get there. Or to the desire for other things. I don't, I, I know if I speak for myself, despite feeling really busy, I fill my days with filler. Some good stuff, you know, not all bad. News, sports, social media, hobbies, books, exercise. I love books. So including it on this list is like a sacrifice. <laughs> Even like exercise and nutrition, you know, all this stuff we feel. It's good stuff, but the list goes on and on. All those things are good, but they're not eternal. They won't last. And they can bully the best things in your life into a little corner. So the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and a desire for other things, that's what we all face. Let me talk more about the cares of this world. And to do that, I'm gonna zone in on a story in Luke. Um, You might have heard the story before, maybe not, but I'm gonna try to kind of break it down, kind of fill in. And I also wanna give credit to uh, a pastor down at a church in Indianapolis called Antioch Indy. He talked about this in one of his podcasts. I've listened to it a bunch of times. I might just be saying exactly what he said. His name's Andrew Zanaco, so I wanna give him some credit here. All right, Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on his way home, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Boom, let's get past that. No, let's stop there. Um, This is kind of cool. Just this is a great little detail. Martha opened her home to Jesus. So let's just think a little bit about Martha. I'm not an expert at, you know, Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, but I don't think it was super common for women to own homes. Um, And so this wasn't her dad's home. It wasn't her husband's home. It was her home. So what else does that say about Martha? She was Jesus's friend. She was the one who invited him in. She, and like when they come, like she's like, game time. I know what to do. I I got Jesus and his followers in my house Like, I gotta be a good host. If you read through scripture, hosting is a big deal. Welcoming people in your home is a big deal. She was doing the right things. I daydream about being Martha. I daydream about having it all together. When Jesus comes to my house, he's gonna have homemade ice cream. And if it's not ready, I'm gonna run to the store and get it ready. Um, You know, like, in the story, we've heard it a bunch of times, like a lot of times we just jump right to the end where Martha, um, you know, uh, gets rebuked by Jesus. But let's be honest, like if Martha was around today, like we'd be like, oh man, Martha, like she's the best Christian. She's got it all freaking together. Ah, I wish I could be a little bit more like Martha. Um, she had a sister named Mary. Mary does not own this house, but she lives at this house. There's probably something there too. 
If you've ever been the one, I was a terrible roommate, and I've been a bad liver at people's houses in my life. Um, These problems between Mary and Martha are probably not the first time they've experienced this, where Martha was hoping for a little more help, and Mary was AWOL. So, but she was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. It says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. But another way, if I'm Martha, another way to put that is Martha was doing all the right stuff. She was doing everything right. She was hosting. She was welcoming Jesus in her house. She was working her tail off. She was doing all the right stuff. And she knew it. She was doing what was right. And she was right. And she knew she was right. She went to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Like, how many times have you gone to Jesus and be like, Jesus, I know I'm right. What is happening though? Why can you? What I love about Martha too is she doesn't even let Jesus answer that question. She doesn't say, Lord, can't you tell? Or she says, Lord, don't you care that Mary has left me to do this all by herself? Tell her to get up and help me. (laughs) Not only does she know she's right, she knows that Jesus knows she's right. So she doesn't need to wait for an answer to this question. And Jesus doesn't tell her that she's wrong. Because she's not. She's right. If you could take one thing home today about this fight we're facing, the fight that all believers face every day is the fight to stay focused on one thing, Jesus. What he says, what he does, obeying him, following him, the fight of our everyday minutia of our life is just to stay focused on Jesus. We need to quiet all the other voices around us, all the distractions, all the times that you are so right and just focus on what he is doing. We need to care so much about what Jesus said and what he's telling us that the cares of this world do not have power over us. We need to remember every day that the wealth that we can accumulate on this earth will turn to dust, but we have an inheritance for us waiting in heaven. We fight every day the rest of our lives to remember that nothing else is worth our time and our desires and our affections like Jesus. Jesus answered to Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. And indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. No one can fight to stay focused on Jesus for you. It's a choice. 
It is a choice that we have to make every day of our life. Making that choice every day is the fight of your life. But it's hard to do alone. No one can do it for you, but you can't do it very long on your own. That's why Jesus told us to be together. That's why Jesus told us to not neglect gathering. That's why we gather on Sundays. But it's also why people have to know you. And we can only get to know each other so well on these Sundays, which is why we need life groups. Because like I said, the fight of your life is to stay focused on Jesus, but you can't do it very long on your own. At least I can't. And I don't think Jesus designed us to be that way. Let me tell you a little story about when life groups became important in my life. I'd been a part of uh, Bible studies and things like that for a long time. I went to my first life group at a new church we were going to in Texas when we had moved there. Uh, And it was good. I felt a little uncomfortable, didn't know people. The music was really loud. Um, But we planned to come back. It was going okay. And that's kind of how church went for six months. There was a softball league at my work that was the same nights. So I was like, well, I guess I'll do softball. And I missed all of life group, you know, except for like one or two times. And then I decided to make a change because I wanted to be a part of what was happening with Jesus. I wanted to be a part of what was going on with church. And I just said, okay, I'm not gonna play softball anymore, which was no loss to my team. And uh, I'm going to go to life group. And every week, there was a good reason not to go. Man, work was tough. I'm wiped. My wife is tired. Our kid's crazy. But we just went. If I was an hour late, I went. And something started to happen. I started to make real friends at the church I was going to. It was through that that life group that I first experienced as radical generosity from God's family. It was the first time was when I was in that life group that I started to feel the joy of being generous to other people. It was that life group that one night I said, I want to hear God's voice, but I never, I don't think I do. And somebody that I cared about told me and said, hey, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and I believed them. And I started to listen and I started to hear. It was the first time I've, I just saw people doing this all the time where they'd go up and they'd pray for somebody. I'd never done that. But I saw it enough, other people doing it, that I did it. And it was the first time and it was through a life group. So, you know, when you go to your life group night, there probably won't be anything magic just by being in attendance. But if you keep going, if it's not just life group night, but is the community of people who believe Jesus around you, things will start to happen. And you will be surrounded with the help you need to fight this fight of our life. Following Jesus is not easy. But it is life. It is life-giving and it will give you the strength to do what we need to do. It is in your nature 
That when you pour out to others, when you go to life group and you think, how can I encourage somebody? How can I pray for somebody? That that is when you will get filled up. You, but you also need people in your life challenging you, seeing you, encouraging you, praying for you, needing you. And that's how we're gonna do it this year. Is we're gonna, life groups are not just gonna be about learning, but they're about learning to obey all that he's commanded. And we're gonna be making disciples. And we're becoming disciples. We're gonna be loving others. And we're gonna be celebrating God. I could elaborate all the details, like, hey, we're gonna have meals. We're gonna talk about the scriptures. We're gonna follow the sermons, all those things. But I wanna tell you and leave you with one thing. All those things are gonna be good. But what's gonna be beautiful and glorious is when we come together to focus on one thing, one person, Jesus. Not losing that focus on him is the fight of our lives and we will fight that together, church. I'll see you at Life Group. I wanna invite the, the band on stage. Um, we're gonna do transition to a time of prayer. Jesus, I pray that all the stuff that kind of comes, the organization and stuff, will, that you will handle that and take care of that this season with Life Group. God, give us the freedom and the joy to walk in and experience your presence and your joy and your peace and your strength. God, give us the strength to put all those other distractions aside and live our life focused on you. Help us help others do that. Help us bring more people into your family, into your joy and your peace. And God, make life groups just a part of what you're doing here at branches. Thank you, Jesus.